Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. We're now joined by Max Olson, who's been a busy man, theathletic.com, with a great article on the background and all of the stories leading up to the Big 12 expansion and also the fourth down coach, the article I saw today. Max, thank you for your time. The article you wrote, though, that we mentioned on the show yesterday about the background, it pretty much went according to what a lot of people were reporting, but my goodness, it was dicey in the end, was it not? I mean, I don't know if it lines up with, like, everything the Pac-12 people were reporting oh, over no. the past year, but I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, and honestly, you, you guys have you guys have done a, a terrific job covering that story every every day for a year, so... Um, I'm sure to you guys reading that story, there's not a lot of like surprising nuggets in there, but uh, certainly, yeah, it, it was really interesting when the dust settled a little bit to talk to a bunch of Big 12 presidents and athletic directors and people who are involved in this stuff. But you know, just kind of simply, how did it go down? And um, yeah, w- while it's easy to say, oh well, you know, the Pac-12 got a bad TV deal and you know the Big Ten swooped in for Oregon and Washington, uh, certainly it took a lot of work to to put the Big 12 in position to land the four schools and and yeah as of as of that thursday night right before that that really fateful friday um by the end of that night uh they you know uh brett your mark mac Rhodes, the people that, that were kind of involved here really uh were pretty worried that uh this thing was falling apart that arizona uh was going to to, to sign on with the pac-12 and, and back out and going to the big 12 and uh you know frankly if it had come to that Big 12 probably is, is uh, just sticking at 14 and trying to find one more, and potentially that's UConn. I mean, it, it, who knows how that plays out if the Pac-12 schools all stay put. Certainly they had a lot of options on the table. But, uh, you know, within a matter of hours, everything flipped again, and uh, they pulled it off. Yeah, it's a wild roller coaster ride, to be sure, Max. And you, you did a great job of of uh, putting all that information and just putting the story together. It was a, a really great read and very informative as well. Was there anything particularly? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Is there anything particularly surprising to you that you didn't know, or just you know the way it unfolded? Perhaps I, I just think the the big sense of relief. I can only imagine what that must have been like once they got word of like, okay, this is going through. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that, you know, the thing that we always talked about throughout that process was, you know, that, that certainly Colorado was the most engaged of the four, the most interested, and, and the, the only one of the four that was willing to, to commit to the Big 12 and make a move without even seeing the Apple deal. And they deserve a lot of credit for that. Um, and, and certainly Brett Yormark and everyone I talked to, you know, praised Colorado for that. But the thing that I think people kind of always speculated on and kind of wondered about was what about the other three? Like, how seriously did they take the Big 12? And, you know, I think the sense from talking to people after the fact is that Arizona, you know, wanted to, you know, kind of the heart was in the right place there for Bobby Robbins. And they did see the value of being in the Big 12 and and they weren't against doing that. But I think he felt very torn about what to do um, between trying to preserve the Pac-12 and make their move and 
and, and even feeling torn in terms of how do you handle the Arizona state part and the regents and all that. Um, and, and, you know, honestly, on, on the Utah and Arizona state side, I mean, I think, I think Utah, despite all the public comments they made, I think they handled it pretty well in terms of kind of leaving the door open at the big 12. The thing that was interesting to me is that Arizona state truly did not show interest in the big 12. They truly like their leadership. And, and I feel like there's a mistake on their part, but they truly did not engage the big 12 at all. Um, on this stuff and we're very committed to staying in the Pac-12 and then literally that Friday morning they have to call and kind of ask for a spot in the conference and uh, you know certainly Michael Crow who was a big defender of the Pac-12 and of, uh, of George Klyavkov and Larry Scott and um, and, and liked the Apple deal um, you know they really had to convince Bray Yormark that they should be in the Big 12 because uh, they had not really shown any interest and, and shown all this loyalty and ultimately they were able to talk things out that day and make it right but uh, I think they're, they're, that leadership kind of questioned why would they not even entertain the idea of going to the Big 12 until they absolutely need to and they were desperate. But uh, fortunately for them, it all worked out. That's like walking back inside the house and your mom and dad are waiting for you. You know you're in trouble. But, you know, it's hard to say. I'm sorry. But, yeah, I, I, they, they didn't plan for the, the ultimate or at least an absolute possible option. I love what yeah. your mark said. And I, and I got this – Feedback from when we've had Gene Taylor on or Kirby Hocutt or Mac Rhodes or Cole, uh, uh, Jamie Pollard. They didn't want to beg anybody. They wanted them, but they weren't going to sit there and try to, like, slobber all over anybody. Colorado was right yes. there in line. I liked the fact that they said, no, we're not going to sit there and go. Because to me, that then becomes a little bit more drama. Yeah, correct. And, you know, I think that's kind of the nature of this stuff anyways. I mean, and I talked about this with Kirby Hocutt, like, um, in, in, in the interviews for this, like, I think a, obviously a distinct difference here is that Oklahoma and Texas and the SEC kind of did all their stuff um, over an un, unclear period of time, really behind the scenes, very privately, right? Um, same with USC and UCLA and the Big Ten. Nobody kind of knew that was coming. That all got handled kind of behind the scenes and, and in secrecy and stuff. It was different for the Big, Big 12 this whole time when Brett Yormark really telegraphed what he wanted to do was very transparent about what he wanted to do the whole time. And that didn't, you know, that did rub some people the wrong way. Um, you know, other commissioners and other leagues and even some people on these campuses of these Pac-12 schools. I mean, I think that that kind of came with it is like everyone knew what the big 12 wanted to do. And, but the big 12 wasn't trying to act in desperation either. And um, you know, or, or like kind of set these hard deadlines and make threats and stuff like that. Like it's a delicate thing. To, to have this not only go on in a very public way, but then, you know, this whole time, as we all know, there was really no known deadline in terms of the Pac-12 getting the deal done. I mean, if you told Brett Yormark in the spring that it would, you know, take till the end of July, I think he'd be pretty pissed off. I mean, it just kept it just kept going and going, and that's why they vetted out so many other options because they kept waiting on these guys. And, you know, ultimately it took a lot of patience. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, in order for the Big 12 to be strong and united in the future – those four have to want to be in the Big 12, and have you know their 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 presidents need to get along with the board, and their ads need to get along with the other ads. So, yeah, you hope that uh, you know there's there is still a fit there that they this is uh, you know where they wanted to end up, and this is not just them running away from the Pac-12 out of frustration over TV money. Any chance there's lost footage of the Coach Prime Brett Yormark uh, lunch that they, they had? I imagine that would you have know, been, <laughs> man, super entertaining. I mean, believe me, I, I checked Deion uh, Sanders Jr.'s uh, YouTube page just to see if they <laughs> yeah. posted any video of that. Um, I, I know which day it was, but uh, no, I haven't seen them share any video of that. Um, I, I, I bet that uh, 
you know, I, 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 from everything I was told, they, they, they really hit it off. I think, um, you know, Bray Ormark is just so impressed by not just like the, the, the on-field success and like the relevance and stuff, but certainly he looks at the Colorado situation and, and look, they valued Colorado last summer before any of this stuff came to, came to pass with the Sanders. But um, I think the thing that's exciting, if you're the big 12, the thing that you need next year is this, this Colorado thing is like this phenomenon that kind of transcends sports. And it's like, it's, you know, it's on 60 minutes and good morning America and all this stuff. Like it's, when you when you are not just like converting like loyal college football fans to, to get them to tune in, but you're getting really casual fans to show up for this stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal, and that, and that certainly matters to the Big Twelve in terms of building the the conference brand and making this, as he said, you know, younger, hipper, cooler, more exciting. I, I think that there's a lot of appreciation on Brett Yarnrock's side about what Dion has achieved in uh, in Colorado so far. I'm glad you brought up the UConn part in the piece because when I read that, I kind of smiled because I remember uh, having a conversation about Yarnrock wanted that. He was kind of intrigued by them, as you mentioned. But the problem was is that he had uh, – he, he was red hot. Everything was like basically he touched, turned to gold. Had they gone to vote for that, that might have been something. That vote would have gotten out, and it wouldn't have passed, right? And that, that would have kind of set him back a little bit. I mean, I think that the way Brett Yormark operates, he's not going to let that thing go to a vote unless he knows how the vote's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but but certainly, you know, there, there's <laughs> there's plenty of time over the summer, over the summer where you are having to anticipate, you know, maybe we're not getting these Pac-12 schools, and you know, maybe they'll just sign an acceptable deal and stay put. That's probably, you know, it still felt like the probable outcome for a long time here, and so they vetted out a lot of options, and, and I think he he really loved UConn and. You know, I think he's somebody who then is going to go build support, you know, one by one. I mean, I think in terms of working the basketball coaches and then working the ADs and then working the presidents. Like, I I think that – I certainly think there was a perception, too, that if he could land Colorado, um, that that would give him – you know, I I think that would give him some some pretty real cachet and and that would help in terms of going to the board and saying, look, I I got got it done with Colorado. Um, I think we need to take – UConn and I think he's taking seriously on this so it really would have been very interesting to see would people get on board with that um you know certainly it's reasonable to have concerns about that and it's also you know reasonable to say look you can't be 13 we, there's got to be somebody it's got to be 14 but I mean who is that right is it is it Memphis is it San Diego State like who else is out there that you're really trying to take so uh, that really would have been an interesting conundrum if we'd gotten that far uh, but certainly, Yarmark definitely felt very strongly and kind of always kept the UConn option, I think, in his back pocket till the very end. It's fascinating to to see also how you dove into yeah the other potential options, not just UConn, but I mean, poor Memphis. They're just you know the, the perennial mention, but always on the outside, just looking in through the window. Um, and then you know the, obviously the the merger talks uh, with the Pac-12 and and even the ACC to an extent. Um, but did did Sandy did the Pac-12 I guess probably fumble the bag the most? And would San Diego State be one B because that's how it kind of came across of they didn't really value the opportunity in front of them, and now there's not that opportunity any longer. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for San Diego state, um, they, they just very made it very clear their AD and their leadership there made it very clear. Like their priority was being in the PAC 12 and certainly some of the actions they took in the summer, you know, really, really made that clear to even the people in the mountain West and caused problems. Um, and so they were always kind of betting the PAC 12 would get a deal and then, and then the PAC 12 would expand. And I think, even if maybe not everyone in the Pac-12 was totally unanimous about that, it seemed like it was kind of heading in that direction. Yeah. And so um, they 
you know, they, <laughs> that was that, so that, you know, thus they treated the big 12, like, you know, a, a plan B or plan C and uh, Brett Yormark didn't appreciate that. Didn't feel like San Diego state was worth a full share. And uh, you know, that's, that's the other part of this that would have got, got complicated is if you're going to UConn or in some of these different directions, it's like, who's paying for that? You know, I mean, right. same thing with Gonzaga. Like I, you never really heard from people over the course of this year, like how that would work and, and how would the TV partners, support that or not support that so you know fortunately for the big 12 you never got into some of those uh complicated situations but yeah in terms of the pac-12 fumbling this i mean that's certainly uh you know it's certainly a huge part of the story and we've written others uh, you know plenty of other stories about that uh, you know about how that all fell apart um and, and how the tv deal uh just ended up being uh you know not what people anticipated or, or expected whatsoever and so um yeah i think i think it was you know, is that all on George Klayakoff? I think a lot of it is. Um, some of it's on market forces and his predecessor. And, and the, you know, certainly there's a lot of it goes on the Pac-12 CEO board. We, you know, we can point a lot of fingers there. But uh, I, certainly at the end of the day, George Klayakoff, you look at the Pac-12 now, right? I mean, you look at this incredible season they're having. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they, they had something to sell there. Like, how could how could you fail in terms of selling that? It, it, it is mind-boggling in so many ways. The part that I loved as well about a lot of it was – the part where previous relationships, when the Big 12 had connected with the Pac-12, when Bowlesby was there, and on and off, that those relationships came back to help the Big 12 this past summer, correct? Yeah, and I mean, you guys think back to that summer of 2021, like if the Pac-12 had offered Baylor a spot, you think, I mean, they would have taken it, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. There's, there's no question. I mean, for those four schools, and look, I've, I've also heard Houston was in the mix in terms of the Pac-12 looking at expansion, too. Um, but, but certainly the Pac-12, you know, the Big 12 was so weak at that point, and it was unclear if Bullsey was even going to survive this stuff. And, I mean, it, you know, the, it could not have been more, more vulnerable at that point in time. And so if the Pac-12 had been able to convince their board, um, and, you know, I've heard some people say, oh, that was Carol Fulton at USC who was against it. I, I don't think any of them were that enthusiastic about it. I can't, I can't imagine there was actually that many people on that board who felt strongly about adding Big 12 members. Um, but but certainly the the fact that people at Texas Tech and Baylor and TCU and Oklahoma State were trying to, you know, form relationships with, with Pac-12 ADs and presidents, um, you know, the fact that, like, if, you know, if you're Texas Tech, you're talking to people at Arizona and you're talking to, you know, people at uh, Colorado and stuff like that at that time trying to get a Pac-12 invite. Well, you know, you've got those people in your phone. So last summer when this all kind of hits, you, you, you know, you can go back to them and say, hey, do you want to come to our league? Right. I mean, I think in, in those relationships, uh, even though they they weren't looking to take the, the Big 12 schools in, in the summer of 21, I think those relationships really kind of started at that time. And uh, I think that ended up being a little bit of an advantage for, for Brett Yormark in, in terms of what he walked into, um, that there are some connections, you know, among these ADs and among these presidents. Well, Max, uh, there's also games this weekend. <laughs> Before we let you go, um, we obviously can't deep dive on much, but what has you excited for this weekend uh, in, in the college football slate? Yeah, I mean, I think on, on the Big 12 side, certainly Kansas-Texas is going to be really intriguing. I think the line's pretty big on that one, 16 and a half. But, um, you know, and, and, and Texas blew out Kansas last year. It wasn't, wasn't close at all. But, um, you know, I think that's another very interesting challenge uh, for Texas because this Kansas team is good and Jalen Daniels is healthy and – um, you know, they have, have, you know, they're 4-0 for a reason. They found a way to win some, some games. I think that win over BYU last week was, was a pretty good statement that, that this is a pretty serious team. And, 
I'm not saying they're a 10-win team, but I, I think that's going to be an interesting challenge at home for Texas. Uh, you know, the pressure kind of cranks up for them every week here going forward. Um, you know, I think in terms of the Big 12, you know, how does Oklahoma look against Iowa State? Certainly Iowa State has always kind of found a way to play them pretty close. Um, and, you know, they, they got a nice shot in the arm last week from the game they played against Oklahoma State. Offense kind of finally got moving. You know, it's not uh, it's not as sexy of a week as it was uh, a week ago, but I think certainly those Pac-12 matchups really stand out to you too. Uh, Friday night, Utah, Oregon State. Uh, I think that'll be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, certainly there's going to be a lot of eyes on USC Colorado, but, uh, you know, I think that's uh, – that, that, that's that's the bizarre thing when you talk about this stuff, guys. It's just like that's going to be must-watch football the rest of the way, this Pac-12 race. And uh, to, for them to not be able to kind of all stick together going forward, it's a sad thing, but but truly it's also just kind of a baffling thing in terms of just how how poorly this all got misplaced. Max, I know you got to go. You also have the article on the fourth down coach, right, that everyone has one of those to help that with the statistics and analytics and all of that too? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that. That's a free story that's on the Athletics today. Um, you know, it's a story about. Uh, I, I don't know if you, if you pay attention during broadcast. Um, there's always somebody. There's usually someone standing next to the head coach, holding a white binder and, and, and telling them what to do on uh, on fourth down decisions. And that person's called the book guy. And uh, you know, it, it's a a book that has been around for a decade now and has become really popular. They have over 80 FBS clients of company CAI. And uh, so I wrote about kind of how things are changing in college football in terms of fourth down decision-making. This is something that Dave Aranda and Baylor and, and a bunch of schools have, have been uh, pretty ahead of the game on and uh, wrote about the people who are in charge of handling the book and how that goes. And uh, so, yeah, I encourage people to check it out. Max Olson, theathletic.com. Max with us on Thursdays in the 4 o'clock hour. Have a great weekend, young man. Great week for you. The stories you wrote, fantastic. Because no one's read them, you should, uh, in theathletic.com. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.